Unity Community of Central Oregon's podcast, featuring Reverend Jane Hyatt. We get to carry each other. Is that a good thing? I don't know. Yesterday, I had an emotional meltdown that was <clears throat> equivalent to the old PMS days, which <laughs> I... I thought I was well behind those, and my, my poor husband is kind of walking around. <laughs> he didn't ride those days with me. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> he wasn't really sure what to do. <laughs> and he couldn't do much right. <laughs> Some of you know what that's like, right? I, I feel this. I've been there last. <laughs> and really, I, I think that what happened for me is that I just hit this wall of too much responsibility, too much carrying each other. And not because anybody did anything wrong who needed to be carried, just because I had gotten myself out of alignment with what does it mean to carry one another. So park that for a minute. I just want to, so it's moving as one body is the title today. Okay, we, we are a community, we are one body. In my Catholic days, it was the body of Christ. We're all the body of Christ. And what is Christ? It is not a person. Christ is a state of awakening. And we are that state embodied. We have, if you look at our bodies, we are meant to be standing tall, right? How many of us are walking through life like this? Some of us are walking through life like this. <laughs> Don't let it down on me, please. <laughs> this is more mine. <laughs> and it's like, we've got to do it. We're leading with our head. We're, we're leading with effort. We're, we're putting our, our nose to the grindstone. And that's not balanced. And so when we do this, we can carry somebody on our back. And that's okay if they're two. We can probably <laughs> handle that. Piggyback rides are fun, but I don't want to carry any of y'all like that because I don't have that kind of strength, and it's not appropriate because the idea that I have to carry you on my back is based on the idea that there's something wrong with your own two feet, and there isn't. And you might be suffering right now. But that doesn't mean just because you're suffering that you are not a creator. You are still this amazing creator. I took this class through Unity Worldwide. Um, they have all kinds of wonderful trainings available. And this one was on the victim triangle. So you're probably familiar with that. There's the persecutor who's doing you wrong, and there's the victim who's it being done to, and then there's the rescuer, which is one of my personal favorites. And in America, where we love Marvel movies, we 
You know, we like to put on the cape. We pride ourselves as Americans. Oh, when there's a disaster, we're right there. We love the cape. So this victim, persecutor, rescuer triangle is quite popular. It's popular in relationships. Folks that I trained with said the most, the most popular race in the world is the race for the victim seat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is terrible what happened to me. Well, you think you've got it bad. <laughs> or you did this. Well, because you did that. You know, we get into those struggles. In this course, they reframed the victim triangle to be, instead of the victim, we're the creator. Think about that for a minute. Your handiest idea of where you've been victimized. If you think of yourself as a powerful creator, and you created this, and that persecutor up there who appears to have done it to you is an actor. So I was saying I just went to see this Agatha Christie play. Well, we needed to have a villain. I mean, what good would it be? if we didn't have somebody who was willing to be the actor in that role. Then there would have been a whodunit, uh, nobody. <laughs> this doesn't work. We need a generous soul who will play, who will act in that role. And instead of a rescuer, you have a coach. A coach who is there to remind you that you are filled with resources because you are a creator. Isn't that so much more empowering? Yes. So I think the thing that tipped me over the edge yesterday was the you count request that went out. Because the folks that needed help with moving are people that I know. And I know that they have a lot of suffering going on in their life right now. And so, the first assumption I made was that because the way we have you count set up, it's like, just respond if you can help. And don't flood anybody's inbox with, oh, sorry, I can't, because who wants those emails? And so I made the assumption that, well, what if nobody responds? Okay, to make this even more ironic, the spirit group that I am participating in is what if <laughs> it all goes right? <laughs> so, what if nobody helps? Well, then I guess I have to. That was the next conclusion, right? But I'm busy getting ready for the meeting today, and you know, I thought I should at least think about the talk a little bit, and then there's, you know, whatever else is going on in my life. And so I had a lot of stuff to do. And then there was my husband, and you know, I have this idea that he actually wants me to spend time with him. <laughs> We did this love language profile and quality time. This is number one. <laughs> and so um, 
I, I reach into my toolbox and I pull out my old Catholic guilt. <laughs> I'm not doing enough with him, and he probably feels awful, and it's my fault. <laughs> and there's this part of me that is still spiritually enough aware to know that <clears throat> this is BS. <laughs> but I wasn't listening to that voice. Because <laughs> I was busy here. I was busy here <laughs> with my nose to the grindstone and taking responsibility for the whole world. I'm going to carry it on my back. And I'm listening to the song that I know that Victor was going to sing in the morning. And, you know, they got to carry each other. And I cry. <laughs> it wasn't a good day. <laughs> I think we should go to lunch. Let's go to Anthony's now. Okay. <laughs> it's wonderful. I mean, there is a beautiful example of caring each other. You know, knowing when somebody needs a pattern interrupt. And just, just say, get out of here. <laughs> Come do something else. It was really helpful. Going to the play last night was really helpful. And just sitting there and laughing. Somewhere in that whole process, it occurred to me, you know, prayer is a thing. Maybe, maybe I could pray. <laughs> and, and prayer, is, it's really important to understand prayer. Prayer is not passing the buck. You know, here are these poor people that are suffering, and I can't do it, so you do it. <laughs> It's not passing the buck. It's changing our consciousness. So I am seeing a broken world. I'm seeing broken individuals. I'm seeing a broken community who is certainly not going to help. That is not truth. That is an illusion in my consciousness. It's like when, do you remember, did you ever go to amusement parks where they have those weird mirrors? And, and you look in the mirror and your shape looks like this, you know, or something. And, you know, it's, it's hysterical. It's not true. And you actually even know at the time it's not true. But in the great illusion mirror of life, we look in and we see things that are false and we think they're true. And then we respond accordingly. Oh, it's terrible. <laughs> But in prayer, what we do is we shift our consciousness to what is truth. Here are these amazing creators who are creating an experience. Here's this amazing community. And each element of it, just like in the body, we are this community of cells in our body, right? My finger doesn't go around thinking its job is to digest food. <laughs> we somehow know what is ours to do. We, that's built into us. And so we have the ability 
to know in each situation what is ours to do. And so in prayer, I could go into a space of knowing that it all works out. And that's really our only hope, because it's hard to know. We need to know what's ours to do without sacrificing compassion. If, if I just go into a place of, oh, well, that's your problem. I'm busy. That didn't solve anything. We have to go into a place of listening from within. Is this mine to do? Of believing that there is an order that goes through the universe. And we're not separate from that. I was talking to someone earlier who was like, oh my God, there's, I've got so many things to do. There's the kids, and there's this, and that. And I think we've all been there. Unless somebody here is a hermit that just, you know, sits and meditates all day long and doesn't have a day job. Everybody's got a lot of stuff to do. And we experience times when we're feeling frazzled, like how can we possibly ever figure this all out? But that isn't truth. Truth is that if we remain grounded in our spiritual essence, then we will somehow know how to move and where to help. And when we find out about others who are suffering, instead of having them be outside of us, we know that they are part of us. We have not met suffering. We are feeling that with them now. And if it is ours to do something, you know, just, I mean, you've had that experience, haven't you, where you just have this idea, oh, I should do this? <coughs> and you may not know how, you just know, I need to do this. Remember Kevin was talking recently about he, he watched this video, he was just kind of cruising through YouTube and he finds this video and he's so inspired by this musician. He has this, I should make a video about his life. And he has no idea how this is going to happen. And the, the details that have emerged of how that is moving forward, pretty interesting. But it's because that impossible thing came from within and it comes ready-made with all the hows. We just don't see them immediately, but they're there. And spiritual truth is knowing that that is so. It can be exhausting, <laughs> but it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be when we get ourselves into alignment. I was so happy this morning when I heard Rachel stand up and celebrate that she had been coming to the assistance of these people. And I thought, oh, wow, that's so great. And she was so happy. She was so happy to have done it. As opposed to how I would have felt if I had pushed myself to do what was not mine to do 
because I was acting out of a scarcity illusion. I am so appreciative that I am not alone in this. And that there is not a day that goes by that I ever get to think that for real. Because each one of you is showing up in such beautiful ways. And there are no superfluous parts. Just as there's no, you know, have you known people that have to have their gallbladder out? And sometimes that's probably necessary for some reason, but but there are a lot of people who seem to have the attitude, well, oh, they don't need the gallbladder. What? <laughs> of course you need the gallbladder. You know? And there's nobody here that we don't need. There are no spare parts. We are all part of this amazing, awakening body of Christ. And we are here to move through this world together, to keep growing and expanding. And I hope that you'll be able to come to the meeting this afternoon. Maybe an annual meeting doesn't sound like your idea of the most fun that you could have in Central Oregon on a sunny day. And it's still part of what knits us together as a community. And just like we all need to do the dishes, we all participate in this because we're a family. We get to carry each other. We get to come together. Let it grow, let it grow. Let it blossom, let it flow.